Welcome back, everyone, to another fabulous episode of Healthcare Trailblazers. I am excited to be sitting here today with Dr. David Nash, an extraordinarily accomplished doctor, uh, the founding dean of Jefferson uh, College. And uh, if you go on his LinkedIn, you will have a book to read. Not the book I'm about to talk about, just in the description of all the various awards and things that he's accomplished throughout his thus far uh, uh, career. So very excited to be sitting here. Um, also, uh, most notably, just wrote a book called How COVID Crashed the System. Um, I would imagine condensing a whole uh, lifetime of, of, of knowledge um, into a book, which is fabulous. Uh, it's selling out extraordinarily quickly. It's on its second print already. So uh, really a great read. Dr. Nash, thanks so much for sitting with us today. Yeah, Mendel, great to be together. Wonderful. Thank you. And uh, so my official title is uh, Founding Dean Emeritus at the Jefferson College of Population Health, of course, in Philadelphia. Uh, I stepped down voluntarily from the deanship after 11 years in uh, June of 2019. I'm back on the faculty on an endowed chair in health policy, and this is year 32 for me on the faculty at Jefferson. So it's been uh, quite an extraordinary journey. My uh, grown children uh, think I'm a walking, talking dinosaur. They're probably right. Uh, so, right. <laughs> well, you don't look like one. Oh, thank um, you. Um, that's for sure. Uh, you know, it, it is interesting because uh, it's very, it's, it's very rare to come across someone's profile that, you know, 25 years. You said 32 years in right. one doing one it's thing and doing it and doing it exceptionally well. So, yeah. um, talk to us about. Let's jump back. How'd you get? How, what inspired you to become a doctor? And uh, how'd you get involved in Jefferson? Oh, boy. Okay. So the quick story. Uh, so uh, I grew up uh, uh, in suburban New York City in an environment where education was uh, valued more than uh, pretty much anything else. I had uh, two college-educated parents, uh, very lucky, uh, and uh, went to a big public high school where 90 plus percent of the kids went to four-year colleges. So going to get higher education was uh, sort of not an option. Uh, but I had a very specific interest, even as a high school kid, in the business of medicine. Okay. And was very fortunate to find a mentor at uh, Penn Medical School in Philadelphia of course, our arch rival to Jefferson, but this is uh, 40 years ago. And this particular mentor, Samuel P. Martin III, MD, was an amazing, amazing guy. He, in a nutshell, he helped create what was called at the time the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Clinical Scholars Program, a special program for physicians post-residency interested in the economics and politics and sociology of healthcare. So I met Dr. Martin when I was still, uh, it's corny, as a high school student, and he was my mentor through college, medical school, residency, and then I finally joined uh, Sam and a cohort of uh, emerging leaders in um, 1984. Part of that experience was going to the Wharton Business School on an academic scholarship. Uh, so my, uh, I've had what you would call an enduring interest uh, in the business and politics of healthcare and being able to be a clinical scholar, you know, 35 years ago was uh, a major part of that. Uh, I spent five years on the Penn Medical School faculty, got recruited to Jefferson in January of 1990 as a assistant professor of medicine. 
and have been on the faculty ever since. Uh, but what's germane to today is uh, my last uh, most important job at Jefferson was as the founding dean of the nation's first uh, college of population health. Uh, so we had the first uh, college, the first scholarly journal, the first textbook. And then uh, during the pandemic, as you alluded to, I had the privilege of uh, hooking up with a great science writer in Princeton, Charles Wolforth. And together, uh, we wrote How COVID Crashed the System, A Guide to Fixing American Healthcare. And this is what the cool cover looks like. That is an, that is an epic cover. Yes, it's an epic cover. It The, the book, in a nutshell, is all about healthcare is uh, a crashed airplane. And Charles and I are the NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, you know, investigators. We've got the black baseball hats on. We're crawling over the smoldering wreckage. It's a burning and there's dead bodies everywhere. And we're trying to find the, you know, apocryphal uh, black box. Uh, but Mendel, you know what's in that black box and so do I, which is, uh, you know, decades of structural racism, poverty, the social determinants of health really determining health and has nothing to do with Penn or Jefferson or uh, Lehigh Valley or anybody. Uh, and we dissect in the first half of the book all of the reasons that contributed to the inevitable crash during a pandemic. And the second half of the book is uh, much more of a, a uh, uplifting story where we give uh, very specific and I think largely pragmatic recommendations for what we could do to, if you would, get this airplane back in the sky. Uh, but the book is devoted to uh, two audiences, uh, Mendel. I mean, it's hard to even get your arms around it, right? 3,600 healthcare workers in America who died yeah. and a million uh, citizens. I mean, it's a staggering number. So the thesis is, uh, did they die in vain? I sure hope not. And that's what we talk about in the book. So Incredible. Yeah. So if you can, right. give us give us um, a little taste. I mean, I, there's a lot of people that love to complain about healthcare. And right. absolutely rightfully so. I see on LinkedIn some big CEOs of large um, healthcare systems. And every day is just a, just a negative post, just complaining right. and, and right. fetching. Um, right. You know, I'm very happy to hear that the second half of the book is 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 possibly talking about how to piece that plane back together and resurrect right. the, the 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 burning bodies. So <laughs> give us a little right. a little uh, a little idea. So in the second half of the book, we tackle issues like reforming medical education, nursing, pharmacy education, uh, building quality and safety training into all aspects uh, across the whole spectrum of training from medical students to attending. So we talk about uh, imbuing the system with a value-based payment that really makes sense. Uh, we discuss very specifically the emergence of what we have come to call the payvider, which is a clunky term when payers and providers combine together instead of constantly competing, but work together either through mergers or acquisitions or joint ventures, whatever the structure. So when you think about education reform, tackling the social determinants, going upstream to shut the faucet rather than mopping up the floor all the time, uh, getting appropriate economic incentives in there for team-based care, 
all of those issues, none of which are strictly speaking new, uh, but I think we come at it with a very pragmatic perspective of, look, there's a lot to do, but the main message is we're never going to have, hopefully not, you know, another opportunity to take a step back and say, what's the true north for our industry? Right. Uh, you know, if the true north is to improve health, I would give our industry a D, which is a barely passing grade, and I'm an easy grader. You, you know, <laughs> lots of other people would give us an F. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, the first part is a Johnny Downer. The second part is, uh, you know, way more uplifting. Uh, and that's been the consistent feedback on the book, uh, you know, since the fall. Good. Well, it sounds like um, uh, something that's critical reading and vital for people that are that are still in. Uh, learning and, and, and oh, being educated right. in healthcare. Let's hope so that we're all constantly learning, you know. Yeah. Right. So uh, you talk about value-based care. Um, obviously, it's a central theme of this podcast a lot. Let's let's dig into that a little bit. We've had a lot of people on the podcast. It seems like more and more initiatives and various organizations are being born um, um, in a completely risk, you know, taking on full risk and, right. and moving in a value-based care direction. What do you, what are your thoughts on us trending in that direction? And how do you think we should proceed? Yeah, it's a great question. And I'm sure you've had lots of experts and Charles Wolforth and I are not the first ones to call for a movement toward value-based care. But more than a decade ago, uh, when we opened our college in 2009, by 2010, Obamacare, we were talking about four words, right? No outcome, no income, right? So no outcome, no income. Now, it, it doesn't have to be exactly you know, no payment, but we were linking payment to an improvement in clinical outcome more than 10 years ago, right after Obamacare gave us like a rocket booster. And so whether it's a bundled payment, capitation, global capitation, ACO, reach ACO, uh, you know, I don't care what you call it, but what do we know? When you put clinicians at economic risk for their clinical decision-making, you actually change the clinical decision-making. Most of the time for the better, meaning less waste, fewer errors, more care coordination. So this is not a new discovery, but uh, we're calling on a, you know, a truce and a peace treaty between payers and providers to specifically work together to move the ball down the field, just like the Eagles did against the Green Bay Packers last night, 43 to 30. <laughs> I mean, like, a little sports plug right there. Sorry. To I mean, <laughs> all the fans. <laughs> but basically, all kidding aside, it, yeah. it's not a new theme. It's a theme that, but specifically draws on decades of research. When you change the economic incentives, you change clinical behavior. I think that's our take-home message. And given the new electronic medical record systems, the ability to sit on top of Epic Cerner, draw out the data, create actionable information to make change, and the notion of a payvider structure, whether it's a merger or joint venture, purchase, whatever, aligning the incentives, that, that's basically it. Will an individual primary care doctor, you know, save the world? Uh, you know, no. But taken together with the correct payment structure and resources to tackle the social determinants and 
leadership training, if you have all those ingredients in the recipe, uh, that souffle is going to rise and going to be great. And we can achieve an improvement in health, which is, after all, you know, a key goal of our four trillion dollar a year industry, the biggest business in America. I mean, it's just staggering. Yeah. Who do you think needs to be at the front lines? I said earlier, the people that are still learning obviously need to need to listen to this book. But who do you think would be most impactful? Um, Yeah, great. Uh, Well, that's straightforward from my perspective. So it's a out of the box answer. I believe that large integrated delivery system provider leaders, the Jeffersons, the Nash, the the Rochesters, the the Northwell, all of them. If those leaders had a good portion of their compensation tied to improving the health of the population, you'd see a revolution in how we deliver care. Uh, So ultimately, it's the board of trustees of these mostly not-for-profit, large national delivery systems and regional ones. Uh, Basically, uh, once you get past the $10 in revenue, those are the principal drivers. If those boards of those not-for-profit $10 billion and up delivery systems decide that they can link executive compensation to improvements in health, we're off to the races. That's a very pragmatic approach. Now, uh, will all payers agree to this? Probably not, but let's exert some leadership and and let's put a stake in the ground into the future to say that we are going to have measures to improve the health of the population and we're going to connect compensation to those measures. That will get us progress. Incredible. Again, I just have to say, you know, uh, this is a shorter episode, um, but I've, I've spoken to a lot of people. And then, like I said, a lot of people like to like to whine about the system. And within 15 minutes, you've seemed to uh, provide at least a framework um, for moving in a in a productive and, and positive direction. So um, obviously, there's there's much, much more in the book. Highly recommend grabbing a copy. They are selling out very, very quickly. And I should um, add all the revenue that we generate from how COVID crashed the system is going back to the Jefferson College of Population Health. So nobody's lining his pocket with the sales. It's all about stimulating a national conversation because are we going to let a million deaths be in vain? I sure hope not. That would be a sin. If yeah, we let's, let's definitely learn from uh, from some of our some from some of our mistakes. Uh, there'll be links all all around uh, f- uh, to go grab the book and to learn more about Dr. Nash. Great, um, David. Thanks so much for sitting with us today. And now it's a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs>